How much should the average youth pastor make? How can we set ourselves up to get a raise? And how much does your church size, ministry size, tenure, and education factor into your pay? If you have questions about youth pastor compensation, this is the episode for you. On this episode of Student Ministry Connection, I'm talking with Dan Navarra about the 2024 Youth Pastor Compensation Report. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and I've served in student ministry since 1999. I'm currently serving as a missionary with National Network of Youth Ministries, where I get to help personally encourage, professionally equip, and spiritually strengthen youth leaders for faithful and effective ministry with the next generation. This month marks the eight-year anniversary of this podcast, which is kind of mind-blowing. And honestly, the reason it's still going is largely in part to you. I know some of you have been here since the very first episode back in 2016, which is incredibly awesome. So whether you've been here since then, or this is your first episode, or you're somewhere in between, I just want to say how thankful I am that you're here, that you subscribed, and that you pray for this ministry, and that you're also sharing it with others in student ministry. As I mentioned earlier, we're talking about compensation on this episode. And in my early years in ministry, I was so excited to actually get paid for doing this. So the thought of not making enough or asking for a raise was the furthest thing from my mind. But as I got married and I thought about taking care of my wife, affording rent, paying off my school loans, and so much more, all while living in a part of the country where the cost of living was going up year after year, I soon began to think about my salary. I trusted God was always providing, and he was, but it was tight. And so when I finished my master's degree from seminary, I finally got the courage up to ask for a raise. But I was so scared, and I didn't know what I was going to do and how to actually go about doing it. Thankfully, it went really well, and I got a little bit of a raise, but I would have been so much more comfortable if I had this resource that we have today. Dan Navarra is a big friend of the podcast and has been putting together this youth pastor compensation report for the last seven years. And we've been having him on every couple of years to give us an update. Over the years, he's collected vital information from thousands of youth pastors in the U.S. from various locations, tenure, denominations, and church sizes. And in his free annual report, he provides some facts and some insights that can be incredibly valuable when we have those financial conversations with our church's leadership. I think this information can also be helpful for those of us who volunteer as youth pastors. Not that we're in it for the money, because we are not. But if we can get compensated for our time and effort, that could turn into more time and effort that we can then put into the ministry. In fact, if you're a volunteer and considering making ministry your career, I would encourage you to pray about it and reach out to me or someone else, because there are a lot of churches looking for full-time youth pastors right now. You can download your free copy of this Youth Pastor Compensation Report at the link in our show notes. In fact, while you can learn a lot by listening, you may also want to have it in front of you as you listen to this episode. This year, with over 1,100 responses, Dan and his team found out that the national average salary for youth pastors in 2023 was $52,186, which represents a 1.9% increase over the 2022 national average. There's a lot more in this almost 20-page report 
than just that number. But before we have Dan unpack this year's report, let's pause and thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you just need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just over $200. Looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's just over $300. Or do you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum? G-Shades has you covered for just over $400. You will not find a youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. There are lots of great curriculum options out there, but G-Shades is set apart because of their focus on the gospel. Every lesson focuses so much on Jesus and how to see the world and life situations through that lens of the gospel. You can also learn more about the creator, Mike Haynes, on episodes 32, 55, and 93 of this podcast. So head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, to download season five of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum. And be sure to use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to save $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you so much, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. I also want to take a moment to talk to you about the Orange Conference. It's one of my favorite conferences that I go to each year. I've been going for years and years. The Orange Conference 2024 will be April 23rd through April 25th in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a three-day in-person and online event for kids ministry, youth ministry, and next-gen ministry leaders. You'll hear from main stage speakers like Kristen Ivey, John Acuff, Reggie Joyner, Joseph Sojourner, Leslie Mack, John Williams, Chinway Williams, and so many more. And you'll also have the opportunity to choose from over 60 workshops on specific ministry ideas and concepts that you do not want to miss. So if you want to join me at Orange Conference 2024, I've got a code to help you save 10% off your tickets. Just use OC24NNYM10. Again, that's O-C-2-4-N-N-Y-M, as in ministry, one, zero, and you'll be able to save 10% off your Orange Conference tickets. You can find the link to register and the discount code in the podcast show notes. Dan, thanks for being back on the podcast. Great to see you. Thrilled to be here with you. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, so it has been four times so I think you may be the the most back on the podcast of any of my guests. Wow, so I, I am honored by that. Uh, thank you so much for having me and having me back again and having me back again and again. So that's yeah. that's pretty amazing, actually. What? How many episodes deep are you in this thing? You're in the triple digits. I know that. Yeah, I think this should be episode 125 when we release it. So holy yeah. smokes! Wow. Yeah, and the last one was episode 80. Yeah, we've talked about on. money four times. This will be our fourth time. This is great. <laughs> we have, but things keep changing. And Absolutely. so it's why it's, it's always great to have you on every, at least a couple years to see what's changing in the whole compensation world and everything. But since this is your fourth time on the podcast, we don't have to dive into your entire story. I'm going to encourage people to go back and, and listen to the previous podcast. But what are some updates that have happened in your life over the last two years that we've had you in the podcast? 
Yeah, I think the biggest shift for me is I am no longer a full-time Sunday church pastor. I There was a little flu bug going around in 2020 that shifted the landscape for pretty much just everybody. Yeah, just a, little, just a little thing. And I left my last church job in December of 2020. And in 2022, just coming up on my two-year anniversary, I actually uh, joined the National Christian Foundation. I am the Northern California area director. That's my like full-time job. And so I get to work with generous Christians all day, like every day. It's the best. Uh, I love my job. I still get to teach at churches. I teach at the church that I attend. So I still get to do all the great parts that I loved about pastoring, but I don't have to go to budget and staff meetings. So the best of both worlds in a lot of ways. Yeah. But still deeply connected in especially the youth ministry community. I still work for chemistry staffing on the side. And chemistry staffing, we're a staffing agency that is uh, really committed to helping youth pastors find healthy long-term fits. Not just youth pastors, all pastoral ministries. But I, I'm kind of the, the guy who specializes in youth ministry because I did it for 15 years. And I'm also out on the West Coast and most of our team is not. And so I'm kind of the West Coast guy for chemistry staffing youth pastors. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last few years. I love it. I'm married. My wife, Amy, and I, we started a small business doing charcuterie and cheese and then catering and actually sold that business in 2021. And so I went through a business exit transition and got to be a stay-at-home dad for a year, which was a like dream come true. And then we have three small boys. They are 10, 7, and 7. And so I have identical twins and a lot of boy in our house. And they all got their dad's personality. So it's a loud house. But it's all good, man. It's all good stuff. God has been incredibly faithful to us. And it's been a great story. That's so awesome. And it sounds like it's very, very exciting in your house right now. <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Nice. So I'd love for you to just provide a little bit of background. Maybe this is the first time people are jumping into hearing from you. They've not yet listened to the previous episodes. So sure. provide a little background on this entire survey and report. How'd this come to be about? Because you've been doing this for seven years so far, which is awesome. Yeah. But how did it all start? Yeah, it's wild. Like in 2017, I wanted a raise. And so I I had just wrapped up seminary. Like I, yeah, I'd been in full-time ministry for like 10 years. Like I was like, you know what? I'm due for a raise. And so I did, I just went on Facebook in the Download Youth Ministry Facebook group that so many of your listeners are probably a part of. I think that's 20,000 people in that community. Mm -hmm. And I just posted like a Google form that had like 10 questions on it. Like how many years experience do you have? What's your education level? And like, what's your salary basically? Like, and a few other questions. And I was like, I hope 50 people will take this survey and tell me what they make and what their education and experience level is and like the size of their church. And I was shocked within half an hour, 400 people <laughs> filled out the survey. And I was like, Oop, I hit a pain button. I hit a button. And so I got on email and the phone and I reached out to Mark Ostriker and the youth cartel team. And I was like, I think we're onto something here. And they were like, yeah, we should probably like do something about this. And so like, lo and behold, a couple months later, I closed down the Google form and I had like 3000 responses and I was not prepared for that. And now seven years later, I've done it every year. The youth pastor compensation survey runs from September 1 to November 30. So about 90 days every year. So I have the same sample size and I have had over 10,000 youth pastors take the survey. It's all the way up to like 57 questions now. I ask it for zip code. So now I can do salary reports based on 
uh, location. We talk about church size, all kinds of things. It's grown every year. And I try and add a new wrinkle to the survey every year to keep things interesting, to kind of look at different things. So like last year we looked at inflation since that was like the Google word of the year um, in Mm -hmm. 2020. And this year I actually looked at online audience. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. I just try and find a different kind of area to really capitalize on every year. We always look at the gender wage gap. And I realize some of your listeners probably work at complementarian churches that don't have female anything. Mm -hmm. But in the, I like to say Christianity is a wide river. And no matter where you swim in the river, we're all on the same team. And so I like to talk about how women are being paid versus men. And yeah, we just do that every year as part of the survey. And yeah, we'll we'll get into the nuances, but that's kind of how it came about. By the way, I, I did not get a raise even after I had all that data that year. and But I'm not alone in that. Most of your listeners probably feel the same way sometimes. So yeah, yeah that's how it came to be. And I love it. Chemistry Staffing now publishes it every year on their blog. And the Youth Cartel also publishes it. And Mark Ostreicher is the general editor. He always has been. And that's been a great partnership as well. Marco super respected in the youth ministry community. He worked for you know, National Youth Workers Convention for years and has done the publishing thing and speaking circuit. So it's great to have him in my corner as well. I, I owe a great deal of debt to him and his yeah. input on the survey every year. And then that's awesome. the cool thing that's morphed that I'll just say real briefly is Christianity Today has a whole arm of their company called churchsalary.com. And if you've been in youth ministry or if you've been in ministry for a long time, you might recall the Hammer Compensation Manual by Richard Hammer. That is the old PDF, like a big thick textbook, if you could see my hands, that churches would order every year, your church admin or XP would order, and it would be part of the what they would use to set compensation. It was based on geography and church size and budget size. Well, that, that Richard Hammer Compensation Manual has been built into the digital tool for churchsalary.com now. And Christianity Today actually has an agreement with me to use my data in that salary calculator. And so if you go pay $25 from churchsalary.com and download a PDF report of a youth pastor compensation salary number for your specific zip code, it's using my data, which is super fun for me. Like I'm actually making real, tangible, effectual change in the compensation landscape by doing the survey. So oh. it's all good stuff, man. Man, that's that's so awesome. And congratulations. That's It's so cool to, to see and, and such a needed thing. I think I talked to a lot of different pastors, uh, youth pastors, but also executive pastors and people who are making those salary decisions a lot of times. And we do have those raw numbers for a lot of positions, but you've you've gone beyond that and provided a lot of other information that is really tangible and really helpful, more than just, you know, location and church size. You're going a lot deeper into that, which is really, really helpful. Yeah, and I really wanted to get away from the stereotypes. Like if you see online, people be like, hey, what should I be asking for for a salary in my area? And they're like, what does a cheap teacher make in your area? Like like that's the number one response I see because yep. it's a comp, right? No, it's not. First of all, a teacher has a credential they went to grad school for. They don't get a housing allowance. That's a totally different tax situation. Their retirement situation is totally different. Like it's not necessarily a comp. Right. It just doesn't, it's just, they're not the same thing at all. And so there isn't a comp for ministry. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I, I wanted to get away from the stereotypes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now you basically, I mean, I, I view you as the expert when it comes to compensation taxes or anything like that. We, we have this kind of joke every time I see something, I, I'll throw up a bat signal like Dan. Yeah. 
Take this one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been a joke or ongoing joke for years that I, I throw a bat signal yeah. kind of gif in the in the chat when somebody tags me. It's like, oh, <laughs> they put up the signal and they need help again. Here I come. And, and yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Honestly, I'm probably on Zoom like a few times a month with a youth pastor who just needs help, who needs some mm-hmm. coaching on. And it like it's free. Like I just love helping that community because I had to learn a lot of the lessons the hard way and mm. nobody was there to coach me and help me with my taxes and things like that. And yeah. opting out of social security, if you know, not a lot of people do that, but like learning how to do that and what it takes. And so I, I just love helping with that stuff. That's awesome. Well, let's jump into this report for 2024. So based on 2023 data, and you've talked about this in previous years and previous episodes, but could you briefly explain what you mean by while we're seeing this increase overall in compensation and wages, many youth pastors are effectively seeing a salary decrease. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. So we have seen between one and 2% annual increases in the national average for a full-time youth pastor the last three years. And so the number is going up every single year I've done the survey, which is a good thing. It should be going up. But the problem is, especially in the last couple of years, inflation has increased at a rate that is significantly higher than the rate that our youth pastor salaries are increasing. The national... COLA increase for social security, which is just one light on the dashboard for measuring how the economy is growing. The increase this last year for social security, people who are receiving their social security benefit was 3.2%. So even the government is saying, we need to raise the number of dollars that we're giving to people on social security 3.2%. If the government's saying that we need to raise it, right? Like that means it needs to go up. And so Yay, it's, it went up 1.9% this year, same as last year. But everybody knows the price of an In-N-Out burger has gone up way more than 2% in the last year, right? Like the price of gas has gone up more than 2%. Everything has gone up more than 2%. And so while it's good news that the wage is rising, it's not rising fast enough to keep up with wage increases across the board. And like where I'm at in California, that's especially true. Minimum wage is $16 an hour here. And I realize that's more than some salary exempt pastors make in other parts of the country. But to be exempt from overtime compensation, meaning you're paid a flat rate in California, you have to make $66,000 this year. Well, that's $14,000 less than the national average for a youth pastor which I'm not going to give the exact number on the podcast. You got to go download the survey. It's free mm-hmm. to download the survey. We'll make a link available for that in the show notes. But it, it's it's wild. You know, the good news is not that great of good news. And that's right. that's been a theme over many years now. You know, if you go back to 2020, we saw a 4.3% increase over 2019. And that's really good. Like that that's much better. And 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but man, like... That, that's a lot of money. You know, if you're making 50 yeah. grand and you get a, a 10% raise is $5,000. Like, so that's significant money, you know? Five, mm-hmm. 5% of that would be $2,500 a year. That's $200 a month almost, right? That's mm. well, that's everybody's cell phone bill in your house, maybe. I don't know. So yeah. it, significant numbers. Yeah. Well, that's definitely important to, to hear because I think a lot of times if we do, if we're naive or just young and, and inexperienced in the ministry, we do hear, oh man, I'm getting 2% this year. Great. 
but you don't we don't think about the overall increase in and in living cost and everything else that's that's also going up even more than that. Yeah, the first the first raise I ever got in ministry, I was making thirty six thousand dollars a year, and I've been at the church for a couple of years, and we baptized a bunch of kids, and I'd grown the team. I had great like quote unquote metrics for growth. And my boss walked into my office and said, Hey, we're going to give you a raise this year. We're going to boost you up to $40,000. We're going to give you, you know, that's a 12% raise. And I was Mm -hmm. stoked out of my mind. And then I realized like months later, as I was learning more and more about being an adult and growing up that California wage law mandated that raise. (laughs) It was not a raise. It was a compliance raise, right? Like that, that is not the same as saying great job, Here's more right. money, right? Which we call a merit raise. Cost of living raises, and like they're two different camps. So anyway, mm-hmm. this captures all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of raises and everything, you say that if you're not talking about compensation with your supervisor every year, odds are that you earn less and you are 60% less likely to receive a raise than your peers who are having those conversations. So again this year, it looks like most youth pastors are not having those annual reviews. So can you expand more on the importance of those, but also how would you recommend a youth pastor getting those reviews in place? Yeah, it's so the number one tool that you have at your disposal to grow your career compensation is to talk about your career and your compensation. Uh, If you're waiting for somebody to come to you to offer you an increase in benefit or salary or whatever, you will, you will probably be waiting for a long time. And so, yeah, most, uh, and it's, it's about half, but it's over 50%. It's 54% of youth pastors told us on the survey this year that they did not have an annual review in the last 12 months where they could talk about their compensation. And so what that tells us is there's a whole group of people who are probably not dealing with potential bitterness, frustration. They're not talking to their supervisor about the needs that their family has or that they have or whatever, whatever it is. And the squeaky wheel gets the oil is kind of the age old adage. And if you're not squeaking, you're not going to get any oil. And so the number one thing you could do is ask for a review if your church does not come to you and say, hey, we're doing reviews in the next month, right? And just set it up. Now, I realize not everybody gets control over that. This is where it's a little bit helpful to get a board member, an elder involved if you need to, because I like to remind young pastors that your boss probably has some sort of theology degree or training. They do not have a a master's of business administration. They are not probably, because most churches don't have an executive pastor. Most churches are under 250 people. They're probably a solo pastor with with a second pastor, and they're not trained on how to run a business. And... So they don't know about HR compliance and they don't know about what healthy things to do to care for staff. They know how to be a pastor, hopefully, (laughs) right? They know how to preach and teach the word of God. They know how to, you know, talk about baptism and communion. They don't know how to talk about inflation. And so you get to kind of lead up the ladder by saying, hey, you know, I haven't had an annual review and I just think it'd be really beneficial for me to talk with you about my performance. So now what you're doing is you're not talking about your compensation. You're talking about your performance. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, where you talk about, what you've done, what you, what, you know, the growth in your volunteer team, the number of small groups you've got, the, the increase in 
camp, you know, signups or, you know, the number of hours you served in a mission strip, like whatever the, uh, you have that say, Hey, here's what we did last year. Or the, here's what they did, did the year before. Here's the growth. Then you're able to say, Hey, I would love to talk about how I could get to such and such compensation number, whatever that number looks like. And I always think it's, it's wise to say, Hey, you know, I'm making 50. I'd like to make a 10% increase. I'd like to make 55. Like how, what could I do? What could I do to put myself in a position to be considered for a raise like that. Do you see how I phrased mm. that? It feels different. Yeah. And if your boss is not up to having these conversations, I would say go find an elder who you know that runs a business or that is a business person and you just get put in their ear. Hey, you know, we don't really do annual reviews around here. Do you think we could have a review? I'd like to have a review because I want to learn. I want to know what I can do better. And this is this will stop you from being surprised when all of a sudden you get called into that review and they say, pack your office up, um, which, you know, Steve, you and I've been around youth ministry a long time. We have heard these stories. We've experienced these stories firsthand uh, for years. Um, You know, every, it seems like every youth pastor has a horror story of being let go from their church and they like don't understand it and they didn't see it Mm -hmm. coming. And this is how you see the train like coming. Hey, Mm -hmm. they're not pleased with my performance. Now I have a plan to change that, right? That's the other side of it is if you're going to have a review, you got to be able to receive the feedback. So those are some strategies on that. But having the conversation will start the conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even if they say, no, we can't do the raise this year, that pot is still on the stove, right? It may not be on the front burner, but now your boss knows I can't say no again next year, right? So (laughs) now I got to come back again next year and I know he's going to ask again this year. Now I got to do it, right? And so it just, it's, it keeps the thing moving forward. Yeah. I love how you say this it allows you to lead up. And I think a yes. lot of times, you know, we, we in youth ministry are in middle management or lower management, and we, we sometimes aren't in the greatest situations. But if we're recognizing that that's something that is not happening, we have the ability to lead up and hopefully get that put in place. But we also have to be vulnerable and, and everything enough to want that feedback. And because that's, that's what's going to lead to our ministries getting better, but also potentially better compensation as well. But we've got to be open to making that happen. Yeah, there is a the number one thing that you need to carry into the conversation is humility, mm-hmm. not entitlement. Too many youth pastors walk into their review and they think, hey, man, we baptized twice as many kids this year as we did last year. Uh, I got a raise coming my way. And you're wrong, right? Because it's still ministry. It's still the Lord's work, right? So like yep. humility is the number one thing we can carry, mm-hmm. having an accurate view of yourself. And the, the reality is God doesn't need any of us. He chooses to use us, right? So like we are not essential, <laughs> right. which is which right. is a great thing. And yet it entitles us to nothing. And right. So humility yeah. it's always asking requesting how can i position myself for this consideration right like mm. those are the types of words and phrases and language that i would advise a youth pastor using that's so so good but at the same time you have found and keep finding that church size and church budget however are the biggest factors and a youth pastor's salary. So over education and experience, which are valid things, but they're not as important, it seems like, as church size and church budget. So do you have any ideas why and how should those of us with with education and experience respond to this? Yeah, so I, th- I think the first thing to do is just recognize the stereotype, right? So many people, when they ask a question online in one of the Facebook groups, say, hey, here's how big my youth group is. 
how much do you think I should be making? Well, mm. what, what I've found to be true over seven years of collecting data and 10,000 youth pastors is there are youth pastors with 20 kid youth groups that are making great money. And there are youth pastors with hundreds of kids in their youth group who are being paid like indentured slaves. <laughs> and so it really doesn't matter how big your youth ministry is. It really doesn't. It's all over the board. There is no data to support bigger youth group equals more money. <laughs> there really mm. is not, which is crazy. And a lot of that I think is because typically at smaller churches, the second hire after the solo pastor is a youth pastor. And so it's a smaller church with smaller numbers, but they're scrambling to pay that person enough to keep them. So they're paid a decent wage versus at the large, you know, mega church with thousands of people coming on, on the weekends, they have a team of people. And so, you know, they're more aware of things. Anyway, so why I think this is, is real simple. More people coming typically equals more dollars given to the church. And when there's more dollars given, there is more dollars to spend. It, it, it really is a scarcity supply issue. Smaller churches have less people, which means they typically have less money coming in. Now, there are some small churches with extra generous people, but even that, it, there, you have large churches with extra generous people. So we've kind of determined that churches over a thousand and churches that have a budget over a million dollars, they pay significantly better for the same job. Hmm. And that's just because they can. It really is. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a youth pastor and you're early in your career and you're frustrated with your compensation, you know, kind of the dashboard lights as I like to think of it, right? What are the lights that light up on my dashboard, right? I have a speedometer. I have an oil gauge. I have temperature, power, battery, right? Like one of the dashboard lights for your compensation in your career needs to be, am I working at a small church or a big church? Can I, if I'm going to leave my small church, moving to another small church may not move the needle a whole lot on my compensation, right? And I'm, I'm taking like what God is leading you towards out, out of the whole equation, right? Because mm -hmm. God calls people to downsize all the time. And like, that's fine. I'm just saying in general, everybody's trying to make more this year than they did last year, right? And so if you're going to transition from one church to another, I recommend learning, hey, what's the budget of the church? Does the church have any debt? Because I promise you the mortgage gets paid before payroll, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah. Like, and so like, that was one of the best advice I was ever given. When you are interviewing at a church, ask what the debt is. Hmm. If it's if it's over 20%, don't work there. <laughs> hmm. Because because they are being held hostage by their mortgage sure. and they're never going to do raises. I'm I'm stereotyping here, but they're not going to hand out 2 and 3000 dollars raises cuz they need to pay pay that principal down. That every extra penny the church has is going to go to the mortgage, right? And so like this is a great kind of question to have as you're interviewing and then asking what the general fund is. What's the trend in the general fund? Is giving going up? Is it going down? Is it staying the same? What, what do the last three years look like? Is it going from 1.1 to 1.05 to one? Well, that means they're running out of money, right? It's trending downward. <laughs> What's attendance been like the last three years? And I know COVID throws a wrinkle in the whole thing, but like, are you trending up, trending down? I have the numbers to substantiate this because I ask youth pastors, tell me about your church attendance and the trend in the attendance. And churches that are increasing, their compensation is rising. It's They're paid better. Churches that are decreasing, you're not seeing raises handed out as much. And so it's really literally just like more people equals more money. Now, that tells me as a youth pastor, the number one thing I can do to position myself to be in a situation to receive a raise is not just get a kid to come to youth group 
because youth group size doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if youth group attendance is up 10%, I really need to, and we would all agree with this anyway. Yeah. I need to minister to that whole family, mm-hmm. right? Billy brings Susan to church and Susan starts coming to youth group and that's great. Hey, Susan, I'd love to get to know your parents. Have a, have, have a parent night at youth group where you have kids bring their parents. Show the, I, do, I used to do this after every trip. We go on a mission trip. We go to summer camp, winter camp, whatever, a fall retreat. The first youth group night after that trip is parent night. And I'd have the youth band play. Parents who have kids in the band, they feel like it's a recital. And they'd show up because they want to see their kid play music. I'd show the camp video. We'd share testimonies. And parents are hearing stories of transformation. Mm-hmm. And parents are like, man, I, I need to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, And, and it's, it's an attraction piece for parents to start coming to church. And that's how giving goes up and attendance goes up. And now all of a sudden you can go to your boss and say, hey, these five families joined our church this year. Go look at what their giving looks like if they're giving, if the church is talking about giving. And if you brought five families to the church and those families are giving, now you have a leg to stand on. Hey, the budget has increased due to this, right? And so yeah. that's a great way. Like you have to do some digging, but like that's a great way to substantiate, hey, it might be time for a raise. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, it, it's not all about the money, but no. you know, it is, it's a, it's a great byproduct of that to realize, okay, now, now the church, because we've been doing our job right and well, we now are in a better position to take care of our leaders. And yep. so it's, it's, it's just puts you in a really good place. So I, I'm interested though, because while we are seeing this increase in overall compensation, do we happen to know if this is coming from salary increases or is it coming from youth pastors that are going to other churches who are able to pay them more and they're taking the survey now from a different church? Like, do you, do you have yeah. enough information yeah, to know yeah. that? I do. I do. Uh, the answer is both. It's, it's, okay. it's some of both wages are going up. Churches are giving raises. Uh, but I've said this for years and it's still true. Uh, the fastest way to get a raise is to go to another church. Hmm. I, I tell my own wife this when we when we have a job transition in our household, either her or me, like we're not probably going to go make less money than we did, right? Like either we're moving horizontally or we're trying to make a vertical jump, right? We're trying to get a raise. That's one of the reasons people leave their ministry role is, hey, I'm not making enough money. And they go sell cars or you know get another job or another ministry job, or they move to another church that can afford to pay them the wage they think they need to live on. And so what I've done is I've asked youth pastors who take the survey, how many churches have you worked for? Mm-hmm. And I, I have worked out the average tenure of a youth pastor. And I talk about that in the survey this year. Like what is the typical tenure of a youth pastor? And I will just tease out that it's a much different number than my informal poll on Facebook did. I had 350 responses of people guessing, and it's a much different number than most people mm-hmm. thought. But the, the, the more churches a pastor has worked for, the higher their compensation has been. And that's sad because that means that you're not staying with your flock and, you know, developing your DNA and culture and your youth team and training up leaders and sticking around long enough to see the fruit of that because you got to go chase a buck. And uh, that's a, that's a tough reality to wrestle through, right? Because, Youth pastors that typically have been at their church for longer and have been at less churches, they're not being paid as well. And that's could be for a variety of reasons, right? It could be that their spouse is making great money, or it could be that they're single and they have a, a lower lifestyle, they don't have any kids, things like that. Whatever the reasons are, the reality is 
the quickest way to get a raise is to leave, to go to a church down the street because they will pay you a thousand or five thousand dollars more. And that's a sad reality. And so, you know, you have to wrestle through that with God <laughs> and, and your supervisor. Hey, you know, we had a kid this year and, you know, diapers are expensive. Like formula is expensive. I get it. I was, I was a dad. I went through the whole thing. We had twins unexpectedly. Like we, we thought we were having one kid and we had two, like I had to buy a minivan, literally like right. the family car we had no longer worked. And so yeah. it's like, well, I didn't plan on this lifestyle increase happening, but here it is. And I needed to figure out if I could afford to stay in my role or if I could get a raise or if I needed to leave. And like, that's between you and the Lord. Like the survey can't tell you to leave. It can just tell you that chances are you'll get a raise faster. The other thing I tell youth pastors is when they're negotiating with a church that is making an offer to them, the first raise you get is the day that you counter offer. Hmm. Start your job with your first ever raise. If they offer you $50,000, in humility, say, hey, I actually was hoping to make 55, which is 10% more, right? And we know that statistically speaking, raises are only going up 2% a year. So to get 10% more, right? But you're asking on day one, right? And if they, most of the time, what I see, and I've coached hundreds of youth pastors on this, I've conducted interviews with chemistry staffing on this. Most of the time, what a church will do is they'll either say, no, we can't do that. Or they'll say, well, we can't go up to 55, but we can do 52 and a half. They'll split the difference. Very, very common negotiation tactic. And you just got a $2,500 raise before you ever started because you were humble enough, but bold enough to know, hey, here's what my worth is. Here's my number that I, I, I really need. So it's a great, great thing to, for you to do because it may take you two or three years to get a $2,500 raise on payroll once you've started that job. So asking on day one, starting with a low with a higher floor is a great negotiation tactic. Mm. And most youth pastors feel like they are being greedy when they do that. I discourage that mindset. I say, no, we are worth way more than they're paying us. We just have to, you know, have humility in asking for that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a great way to great, great thing to do. That's so good. And, and another reminder, I mean, I, I know it's, I feel like every time I get a ministry job, I'm so just thankful that I get to do this for, for the kingdom and I get to pay my bills because I get to do this sort of thing. And yeah. so I am, in, I've always been in the mindset. It's hard for me to even think about asking for more in those times. So I'm so grateful for people like you, who get that, who can encourage us in that way to go, no, it's, it's okay to ask for more, do it in the right way, do it in humility, but it's okay. And here's some ways you can go about doing that. The, uh, another thing, especially this is true because so many youth pastors have student debt, like churches have different pockets of money. Payroll dollars is one number. Missions numbers is another dollar. Program budgets, another dollar. There are many churches out there who have a designated fund of money that somebody gave at one point in time and they gave it for the purpose of education. Hey, Ask the church, say, hey, do you by chance have any designated funds that are earmarked for education because I'm paying for school right now or I have student debt? Instead of a raise this year, would you consider paying off some of my student debt with this money that's sitting over here in a designated fund? Like in the business world, we call it LTI, long-term incentive. What does a company do to incentivize me to stay with them long-term? 
typically in the real world, this is stock options. It's bonus structure. It's it's tied to dollars. That's the long-term incentive, right? Well, at church world, we don't really have that. Maybe you have pension. Maybe you have some retirement stuff. Maybe you get increased vacation. Sabbatical is often a long-term incentive, right? But like, get creative. Hey, would you consider giving me another week of paid vacation this year since you don't have money for a raise? Well, it doesn't cost the church anything except time. Like, yeah. but it's a huge benefit to you and your family for you to be able to go somewhere or do something or just stay home and have a staycation. Like yeah. Netflix and chill. Come on. Like, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Was that, too, was that too rated PG for the podcast? <laughs> anyway. yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah. We're good. No, that's, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from a, an elder at, at a, at a former church that owned a very profitable business. And he, he was sharing that with me one day that a lot of times he didn't have the, the finances to be able to increase wages like he wanted to for his employees. But he's like, you know what we can do? We can provide him a meal every once in a while. We can do this and this for him. And it makes those employees feel very appreciative. Even if they didn't get the salary increase they wanted to that year, they know they're taken care of and valued, which is also a a huge piece as well. So let's jump into this online thing, because I think it's really interesting. So you found some connections with online viewership and youth pastor compensation, which I would have never guessed. But what'd you find and how does this impact youth pastors? Yeah, it triggered for me because a lot of churches had to figure out online ministry when COVID happened. And a lot of churches have kept it in place as a ministry strategy. And so what I did was I just wanted to say, like, is there any sort of correlation out there? And what we found was, if I can just find it real quick in my own report, the the, the, the long and the short of it is, Churches that have a hundred or less people looking at their worship services online each week, however you measure online viewership, because I know that number is a moving target (laughs) for people, like how many people on the live stream, how many people for 15 seconds on the live stream, right? Five minutes. Uh, We just asked you to kind of assess it, right? And if your church says we have online viewership each week of our main worship services of a hundred or less people, you were making 10% less than a youth pastor at a church that has at least 100 people on their live stream or watching their services each week, 10%. So the average mm-hmm. salary of a youth pastor with a church, and and I had 950 qualified youth pastors who are full-time take the survey this year, and 629 of them, right? So like two-thirds work at a church that has less than 100 people on their watching services online, and their average salary is like, basically. If you're at a church with between one and 200, your online viewership uh, is between one and 200. That number jumps up to almost $56,000. It's a $5,500 increase. So it's about 10%, 11%. If you're up over the 200 number, it's up another 3%, your salary compensation. And so it like, this is not butts in seats. This is eyeballs, right? And so it's a totally different way of measuring church size. I realize that. But it goes to support if your church is being, and, and this is the conclusion I kind of drew out. If your church is embracing digital ministry strategy to the point where they're getting a couple hundred people to watch their stream each week or to watch their YouTube video each week or their podcast or whatever they want to do, like, they're probably forward thinking about how to do ministry in general. And part of being forward thinking is how do I keep my key people on the team, right? And that compensation is a part of that. And so I just I just want to like offer that as a way of saying, hey, 
when you're interviewing at a church, ask about online viewerships like, because that's a metric that we use to see about compensation. Now, here's what's cool. I, I asked youth pastors how many of them actually make their youth services available online each week. Because I know when I was a youth pastor during COVID, we did the whole Jimmy Fallon variety show on YouTube live every yep. single week. And like, it was painful, but it was cool. It was different and it was cool. And I saw youth pastors run through walls trying to figure out how to do digital ministry well, right? And so I'm in that camp. I didn't stream services before COVID, but during COVID, we started streaming it because kids stayed home because they had COVID and we wanted to have them zoom into youth group like everybody did this kind of stuff and you know, zoom into small groups. I had all my small group leaders set up with Zoom so that they mm -hmm. could zoom in a kid during COVID. Well, how many of us are still doing that kind of stuff? Embracing digital strategy and youth pastors who had, there's 69 youth pastors out of 950 who are making their youth services available online each week. And they average 8% more than the youth pastors who are not making their youth serve their youth, their youth services available online each week. Hmm. So just by embracing digital strategy, you are qualifying yourself for more compensation. That that's hmm. like a simple conclusion that the numbers substantiate. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I never would have guessed that because that's also one of those things that that I I dropped as quick as I could <laughs> in my last ministry. But yeah. but yeah, but I get I get what you're saying because it's it's how how forward thinking are you being and how how much are you trying as hard as you can to reach the next generation? And it may not look like digital for you. It may whatever that is, but there if you're doing extra stuff probably you're going to get noticed for that and potentially get some extra compensation for that because you're going outside the box and trying to reach more students is my guess. And, and, and I tell churches this all the time. Like if you, if you're a youth pastor and you have a TikTok that has viral content on it, cause there's plenty of youth pastors out there that are crushing the social media game. You need to find a way to put that in an impact report that gets in front of your elder board. Like, Hey, I had a, a sermon clip from one of my youth sermons that went viral on the internet this year and it had 25,000 eyeballs on it. Mm. And that doesn't qualify you for a raise, but people love giving to impact, mm. right? So anytime you can quantify impact, hey, we embraced digital ministry this year and we averaged six views online, six, mm. right? Well, if your youth group's 60 people, that's 10%, man. Like, that's awesome. Right. Mm. And all of us were like a 10% increase in people watching <laughs> our messages each week. Right. Yeah. The church, the senior pastor ain't got 10%. Right. Like <laughs> those are the types of things, even though it doesn't feel like a lot of like big, huge numbers. Yeah. You got to look at it as percentages. Cause that's what we look at compensation as. Absolutely. I'm asking for a 2% raise. Well, I have 10% increase in viewership. Like, mm. You know, th those are the types of numbers that elders and supervisors can get behind. And by the way, the congregation can too, right? Yeah. Being able to celebrate with a little PDF you make available and send out in a newsletter or something like that. Hey, here's what we saw happen this year. God, God was so good to us. Celebrate that. And then you can start talking to people <laughs> about a raise. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so often like youth pastors, like we get in these conversations and we know in private conversations that it's not just about the students that are coming to our program each week. We know that on our heads, but then when we're talking about how effective our ministry is, some for some reason we get stuck on to what's happening with inside those four walls. And we don't think about digital impact. We don't think about school impact. We don't think about all these different things that we're doing outside of the church building that is totally. also impacting the next generation. 
Yeah. I saw one youth pastor who was like, my impact report looks like this. This is how many hours of volleyball my volunteers <laughs> watched this year. This is how many hours of choir rehearsals my volunteers watched this year, right? This is how many, what was it? How many hamburgers we sold at our barbecue fundraiser, right? Like they wanted to really like kind of yeah. quirky, right? Because everybody thinks church metrics, they think butts and seats. And we, we don't measure spiritual impact that way. It's yeah. about presence, right? <laughs> like to borrow a page from Young Life, right? Like just be in their life, right? Anyway, yeah. quantifying yeah. that in a fun way is digital's part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to jump into the gender wage gap because yes. I think it's important to talk about that. Huge so, this year. Huge. However, some interesting findings and why that shrunk. And so yeah. can you explain a little more about that? Yeah. So last year's report, we had an 18% gender wage gap. That means if a man was getting paid $100, a woman was getting paid $82. Okay. 18%. Okay. That was the largest gap I'd ever seen in my years of doing the survey. It had jumped up considerably. This year, the gap jumped down to 12%, which is much closer to what it has been historically. So that means if a man is making $100, a woman is getting paid $88. Okay? Just like real real, real math here. Okay? Mm -hmm. Here's what's wild. The national youth pastor compensation average went up 2% this year. 1.9%. Cross the board... The average compensation for a man nationally compared to last year went down $500 annually. Hmm. It basically stayed the same this year, if not going down a little. I had 200 more guys take the survey this year than last year. So the data sample size is a little bit bigger, which makes it technically more accurate. Okay. More people mm -hmm. equals better data. So it basically stayed the same. The average youth pastor compensation for a woman went up 7% this year. 7% they saw an increase for females, which is great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. It just closed the gap, right? It's just closing the gap. They'd have to see that type of increase two more years while men don't see a pay increase to close the gap, which I'm an advocate for, no matter where you are theologically on women in ministry. Hopefully, from a social perspective, you don't think men and women should be paid differently at mm -hmm. anything, whether they're plumbers or video game designers or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. People are... Anyway, people are people. Yeah. So a uh, little bit wild. The national average compensation for a youth pastor who's a guy did not move basically mm. from last year, which is sad. That's a crisis. Yeah. We can't have that happen another year, right? Because now inflation's crushing us, right? Because yeah. cost of living is going up every year. So this is something I'm going to be watching for the next couple of years of survey data because you know we want to see these big increases proportionate to, to men. We want to see women being paid equitably that's you know the way it ought to be i'm not going to mm -hmm. sit here and argue that but we also need to see the the male compensation average go up substantially yeah. so yeah. i'm going to call it a full-blown crisis if this pattern repeats itself next year and i'm going to sound the alarm like five bell like the building is burning because that mm -hmm. means we've reached a ceiling in our industry and mm -hmm. the ceiling is not going to be sustainable for a lot of people the other thing we didn't touch on that i just want to touch briefly was was qualifications because tenure and education are two things that a youth pastor can typically have a little bit of, of control over, right? Do you have mm -hmm. a college degree? Do you have a seminary degree? It's wild out there. The stereotype of youth pastors that they, you know, eat pizza, play Frisbee and do ministry in the, in, you know, the basement of the church and they're not professionals. It's gone because 
over 80% of youth pastors have a four-year degree and three quarters of them have seminary completed. This is wild. Like we are a professionally educated industry now and people need to wrap their heads around that because education costs money. Youth pastors going into debt for their education a lot of the time and they're not paying paid enough to dig out of that, mm. you know, to, to quote Dave Ramsey, shovel hole. Can you do you have a big enough sh- shovel to dig out of your hole, right? And so the the trend that we're seeing is a masters is worth less in 2024 than it was even last year or years prior. I used to see people who had completed seminary were making anywhere from 18 to 15% more than people who just had a four-year degree. That number has shrunk every year, and I didn't think it was a trend at first, but now I have four years of data that support it. That number is down to 11% this year. A master's is only worth 11% more than the youth pastor at the same size church with the same size budget that doesn't have a master's. 11% is 11%, but the point is, don't go spend 50 grand on seminary to make $2,500 a year more. (laughs) Like, you'll just never get out of the hole, right? Right. So just be aware of that and you know different denominational streams which i i do a deep dive on denominations this year so i haven't done that for a few years you know check out the survey to see that but denominations view education differently and yeah. therefore the housing allowance differently you know there is some stigmas out there about denominations and if you work at an assemblies of god church like and you're a youth pastor you don't make very good money probably like mm-hmm. it's the lowest paying denomination out there and yet the Assemblies of God is the denomination that hands out per capita one of the highest percentages of housing allowances, meaning they are licensing pastors, right? Because you have to be licensed, commissioned, or ordained to get a housing allowance. They're licensing their pastors, making them pastors, but they're not paying them well compared to other denominations that don't give out housing allowances, meaning you're just a W-2 employee, right? Even though you have a pastor hat on, you don't. the IRS doesn't call you minister, Right but you're making more money, but you don't get a housing allowance. It's a wild economy mm. for ministry out there. So just be aware of that as you look for your you know, theological stream to swim in. So those mm. are just some thoughts that I had. I'm happy to talk to any of your listeners, Steve, if they want to email me. Yeah, like I said, I jump on Zoom all the time with youth pastors. I love talking about this stuff and helping people feel equipped. That's awesome. Every year, Dan, I, I am so overwhelmed by by the data that you get because it's so, so helpful to be able to put into youth pastors' hands and say, you know, this is some stuff you can actually base on because we don't know this information just talking to random people here and there, but this is a large sample size to be able to put this information in there. But I'd like to turn a little more toward the heart as we wrap up today and just give you an opportunity to encourage our community as we're thinking about maybe a lot of youth pastors are not paid what they should be. They're, they're struggling. Maybe they haven't gotten a raise in a long time. We know how to go about getting those. We know how to get annual reviews and all that sort of thing. But I just would just give you an opportunity just to, to speak to the heart today before we wrap up. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Ministry is, it's the, I, I like to say it's the weirdest industry because it's the only army in the world where you shoot your wounded, mm. <laughs> right? Every other army in the world cares for the wounded, the people who are hurt. And when youth pastors get hurt, they typically get let go (laughs) and you shoot your wounded. And so if you're hanging on by a thread and you're listening to this right now, first of all, you are loved. You are beloved. God chose you, cares for you, knit you together in your mother's womb. You are perfect in his eyes. 
And sometimes we just need to be reminded that we, we serve a God who loves us because we work for churches that don't love us sometimes. And uh, the bride of Christ can be ugly, even though she's a bride. And uh, so I just want to encourage you. I'm not encouraging you to persevere. Many of you actually, and what I've learned over the years is many of you need to be encouraged to not persevere. You need to be encouraged to go find health for the good of you and your family. And part of that health is stepping away from ministry, maybe. Some of that health is finding a church that is willing to compensate you at a level that allows you to live, right? A bigger shovel to, to, to deal with the hole that you have in your life if, if you're in debt or, you know, if you have expenses going up. Because I don't want you to hit a wall. There's a bucket of bitterness out there. And every time you look at your bank account and don't see enough money to take your family on vacation or do the thing that you feel like you're supposed to do, like sign your kids up for Little League, man. I just signed up my three kids. It was 500 bucks for Little League, right? Like there's youth pastors out there that are making 2000 bucks a month. Like that's a lot of money for Little League, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're looking at your bank account and there's not enough dollars and cents there, like you have to feel like you're still called to this thing and there's a place out there that will value you appropriately. And you might be robbing another, you know, person of the opportunity to step into the role that you're in right now. And like, so we're just not necessary. Anyway, there's a lot of nuance to that, but I just want you to feel encouraged. Like you have a lifeline youth pastors every year message me and say, thank you so much. I walked in to my annual review with your PDF and I emailed it, the PDF, to because it's a free PDF. I emailed it to my supervisor in advance and asked them to read it, and they did. And they they apologized. They like People have had a, pastors apologize to them because they had no idea that the industry has shifted. And that comes with raises a lot of the time. So be humble. You know, Put on the fruit of the Spirit. Be loving. Be joyful. Be peaceful. Be patient. Be kind. Have self-control. All of those things, right? Uh, and yet be courageous and bold, right? Joshua chapter one, be bold and courageous. Like mm. it's all of those things. And I know that it can be scary and you have to be willing to hear hard things and you have to be willing to ultimately walk away if it's not a healthy situation for you financially. Mm. So yeah, I, I hope that this always leads to longevity for youth pastors because they are empowered to get higher compensation and that leads to less burnout, less stress, less people leaving to go chase a paycheck and walking away from their potential calling. So mm. that's my soapbox. I'm going to step off of it, Steve. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to be with you on the podcast and be with all your listeners. Thanks for having me. I'll come back anytime. I'll be your five-time podcast hero <laughs> one of these days. But yeah, please use me up. Absolutely. So real quick before we wrap up, how can people find the report and how can people connect with you? Yep, it'll be on the Chemistry Staffing website, chemistrystaffing.com. Uh, you can download it for free there. We just ask for an email address, so you get spam from me. No, I'm just kidding, no spam. <laughs> and then, you know, the other piece of that is if you're a youth pastor and you're like, you know what, I need to be done at this church and you're looking for another opportunity, Chemistry Staffing, man, we place candidates at churches all day, every day, and we talk to churches about what they're going to pay their staff. We won't place a candidate at a church that won't pay them a reasonable wage. We just will say no to the church. So if you find a job with chemistry staffing, you can assume that it's going to pay you a, a living wage, right? I'm not going to say you're going to get rich, but it's a living wage. And so yeah, do that. You can always email me. It's dan.navara. That's D-A-N dot N-A-V-A-R-R-A -R -R -A at chemistrystaffing.com. And I'd be happy to chat with anybody. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Dan. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, but especially around this stuff, it's such a, a huge benefit to the youth ministry world, and we're so grateful for you, and just pray that God continues to bless your ministry through all this. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of Student Ministry Connection. Be sure to check out the entire Youth Pastor Compensation Report at the link in the show notes. And if you know someone who might also enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share it with them. If you would like to support my ministry with National Network of Youth Ministries, please follow the link in the show notes where you can sign up for our prayer partnership team and also our financial partnership team. I also want to extend a huge thanks to those who have already partnered with me. And if you're interested in joining my team, please follow the link in the show notes or reach out to me. I would love to talk to you more about how you can partner with this ministry. And before we go, I also want to thank G Shades for sponsoring this episode. Check out their website at gshades.org and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're over there, be sure to check out their blog and also the book from G Shades founder, Mike Haynes. Also, another reminder that if you want to join me at the Orange Conference 2024 and save 10% off your tickets, just use the promo code OC24NNYM10. That's OC24NNYM10. And you'll save 10% off your Orange Conference tickets. And if you need another reason to subscribe, this next episode is one I'm really excited about. Hey, I'm, I'm excited about every episode, but I'm bringing back on my friend Billy McMahon to have a candid conversation about youth ministry today and especially around this idea of invitation. It's something that we've been doing a long time in the youth ministry world and in the church world, but is it really the way we should be going? So make sure you get subscribed and you're also sharing this with others in student ministry. And until next time, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.